So I'm going to talk a little bit about um, that kingdom again. This may be the period on this series of the kingdom of God, but I never know exactly what he has. So um, this is what we're going to talk about today. And um, uh, I think the message uh, title is Possessing the King's Reward. So, um, so what would you do if you inherited your grandparents' home and property, and in the will they read, by the way, we have hidden some rare stones, gems, on this property for you to find. What would you do? Has anybody ever had that? Well, that'd be all right with me, I think. And I know what I would do. I would turn everything upside down. Because I'm greedy, right? <laughs> well, it's just smart, right? I like that. So I would go all out, out about it, find them by all means. And uh, that is what the kingdom of God is all about. The benefits of the kingdom have been given to us by our acceptance of him as our king, his kingship. Ooh. <laughs> We simply need to get out of the way to receive it. Hear that? We got to get out of the way because he's already given it to us. It's our inheritance. Candace, it's your inheritance. It's the inheritance that we, uh, and I, I remember it says, seek and you shall find, right? Seek and you shall find. Well, my uh, youngest brother, Keith, he came home one day a uh, long time when I was farming back there. And he had this, um, this artifact in his hand. It was a, uh, a hammer, like, or a hatchet, or it was a hammer. It didn't have a sharp edge. But it's something the Indians had used, and he found it on our property. So uh, naturally, I didn't want to be left out. So I went down to where he found it, and I looked and looked and looked, didn't find a thing. But, you know, I kept going back all the time to find something. And I finally found an arrowhead, nothing like he had. But I found it because I thought that was pretty cool, you know, to do that. Oh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about stuff like that. But my, my misunderstanding about the church from the way I grew up in a denominational setting uh, up until when I got born again, was simply that God is love, and if we show love toward one another and show acts of compassion toward one another, that is all I needed to do. Sounds good, though, right? God is love. Therefore, we allow love to come out to one another and to him. And indeed, that's the greatest commandment, isn't it? Love one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, mind. Love your neighbors as yourself. So very good. But I also found that it leads to passivity and complacency. And I already talked about all that complacent stuff I got into me up until I said yes. So I'm not going to do that again. And by the way, I may repeat stuff. So if I do... You just have to love me anyway. 
A lot of reasons for that. I think the main ones, I'm getting older. But passivity and complacency is nothing like I'm reading about in the book of Matthew. Because I've been studying that. This kingdom of God. There's a definite response to the king that the king requires of us. Of beyond love and and, and he requires it of his kingdom people. And I'm going to tell you about that in a little bit. So I'm going to start with something I think I read two, two times ago. But I'm going to read it again. Uh, and maybe the other reason I'm uh, repeating myself is because God wants you to hear it again. Because if we're just hearers of the word and not doers of the word, nothing's going to be accomplished. Well, yeah, you got to... You got to be a doer of the word. So I'm going to start in Daniel 7, 21 and 22. And this, um, I like uh, Daniel very much because he's such a, a God uh, person in his character with his love and obedience and everything he did. But he was very prophetic. About half of the book of Daniel is about the prophecies that he had. And this particular prophecy, 700 years before Christ, is very interesting to me. And one we should take in heart that we are now living in this period of time. And here's what it says. Verse 21. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. Notice, there is war against the saints. That's you. All right? Until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. Hallelujah. In favor, not against. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Now what he's talking about there is there is a period of time between the the first coming of Christ, when he went to the cross, resurrected, and between the second coming, which is maybe soon. I'm not sure when he's coming again, but there's a time in between there where there's a war going on and a time for you and I as kingdom people to possess the land that he's given us. It's his. He gave it to us as believers. In other words, we are stewards of the kingdom of God. A word that's sometimes used is husbandry. We have husbandry over the kingdom of God. So I like that word husbandry, being an ex-farmer. And I know what that means. That means you take care of the land. He calls it to be fruitful. You make it produce. We uh, had uh, purchased a piece of ground a long time ago, and uh, that land had been uh, grown wild. And on that land were briars and thistles and, and small seedlings. And my dad said, we're going to clear that out to make it productive. Now, this is kind of like what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. There are briars and thistles Things that have to be cleared out. So 
So I want to show you something. This is my show and tell. Anybody know what this is? This is the devil. How many others have this in their yard? They're on their street and you walk by them, you crunch on these thorny little things. All right, so you're done there, devil. Get down there. <laughs> so I got revelation yesterday when I was raking these critters demonic forces off of my yard for the third time. Because I have two of these boogers in my backyard. Now, I consider my backyard my sanctuary. Thank you, Kathy. I knew we married for a reason. It is my go-to place. I believe God gave it to me. Isaiah's been in my backyard. He knows about it. You guys have been back there. It is a place of refuge for me. But I've got these things here, and I have to work and work and work to gather them up. And I have now taken two pickup truckloads full, heaping over, of these demons to, out to my son-in-law's property. You can go out there and look at them. There are a ton of them. But here's what I found. Every time that I raked them up, put them on the truck, took it away, it was beautiful. I thought, yes, this is, this is what I'm talking about. This is my, my beauty. This is the beauty of the kingdom you gave me right here in my backyard. The winds come, blows them back down. And I say to you and I, there are winds that blow in your backyard too, not naturally, but spiritually, that bring about the same, you can call them ticks if you want. In other words, things in your mind that keep rehearsing all the time and you get rid of them for a while, but then something happens. Now I have to deal with failure a lot and I, I don't know really what that is about except I failed a lot, <laughs> you know, maybe that's it. And, and uh, so I have to then begin to quote the word and begin to believe it that, that I am his beloved, not believe the mistakes and the failures I have, quote his word, and then by doing that, I'm sweeping these little ticks in my mind away. Now, when I don't do that, they build, and they get bigger, and they get bigger. Another wind blows, and you, you have the same failure. I failed last week on something, <laughs> but it wasn't a big deal. My wife said it wasn't a big deal, so I believe her. Whew. I wanted to... Just read this verse here a little bit, because I'm always liking the word. This is more teaching than anything else, I guess, uh, in Matthew 13. And um, there's so many of them in here. So 
parable of the hidden treasure. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That is the inheritance of the kingdom of God. It's a treasure. And I believe there are treasure chests in each and every one of us, for the kingdom of God is where? Within. God gave us this land, this treasure. When we were born again, he came a part of us, and we a part of him. He give, has given us the treasure. Yeah. Notice you got to find it. We have to realize that we are in an age-long struggle between us, the saints of God, and the power of evil in the world. He has called us to be battle-ready, to be steadfast. We may have intermittent times where we feel we're defeated. As I'm looking back at history of the church, many of those believers got killed. They got burned to the stake. They got hung. Or churches were burnt down. Pastors, that's not only history, that's now. It's happening today. So we are in an age-long struggle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of God. But it was won at the cross. We have the victory based upon the cross. Why aren't we living it like that? I believe it's because we have to take things. I came across a verse in Matthew 11, of course, Matthew. And um, I've always wondered about this verse. Matthew 11, 11 to 18. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And then this verse here. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So there's a couple ways to look at this. One is what I already said. God's church, God's kingdom is coming under constant pressure. The media, the liberal media here would love to see the church destroyed. So we do suffer violence. The other part of this that I take personally believe is that we are to be violent toward the devil's kingdom. Just like I can stomp on that dude right there. Boy, that feels good. I'm not kidding. <laughs> the only good thing about raking all those is my muscles are growing. My tummy's getting flatter. But the beauty afterwards is what I'm after. I'm after the beauty of the, the kingdom God gave me. And that's what you and I need to be after, the beauty of his kingdom what he's given us. So, the, um, we suffer violence. Devil knows our weakness. I already said that. Our failures. And 
We have to cast down imaginations. We have to be proactive. We have to be violent against those thoughts that are coming against you and I. You believe your, your long-last cousin hates you. Come on, just start believing what God says. That, that person's going to be saved. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> then it says, the violent take it by force. Then he goes on to say, here are the type of people that are violent by force, and this would be John the Baptist, who had a non-religious style of a messenger. And I, I abhor religion, okay? Religion doesn't get us any, any place in, in the United States or any place in the world. The Spirit of God does. That's why we want his presence here in our, in our church and in our lives and uh, so, so John the Baptist is a type of, of a messenger who uh, abhors religion. And then it goes on, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and we are willing to receive it. He is Elijah who is to come. And, and so we got, and I already preached about this, but we have the type of believer you and I are to be are like John the Baptist, who is a non-religious messenger of Christ's coming, and Elijah, who is a miraculous, and he was also non-religious, and confrontive. What do you confront? It's important. Kathy's a good confronter, you know, and I, I'm, I'm back in my old denominational church sometimes, and I just want to love. Give me a good hug, you know, and I'll be good, you know, but it, there's so much more that God wants out of kingdom people. <laughs> So uh, Elijah, and that's the type. And then th this part here, I, I missed so many times. But to what shall I like in this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. Let me tell you, we shouldn't be dancing to societal's terms and, and ways. We need to put our foot on them and do what the king of kings. We need to dance to the kingdom of God and not to society's ways. Now, you need to check ourselves. I have to check myself. Uh, what, how am I all involved with society's ways that are not the kingdom's ways? And there are, you have to let the Lord speak to you on that. But I, um, I remember... <laughs> I wanted to tell you about my time at Lincoln College. I had four wonderful, wonderful years at Chi Alpha. God was moving the spirit of the Lord. The kingdom of God was coming to those kids. Then uh, at the early part of 2020, I started to get a, a check in my spirit, uh, meaning that just simply means God was trying to tell me something and I had to listen. You know, and so I, I was with the kids doing whatever I, I needed to do. We'd, we'd have them come forward and, and lay hands on them, and they would cry, fall over, get delivered. They were all about it. But there suddenly was a separation that took place between them and us. And my spirit was trying to tell me, your time's up. And uh, so I was asking the Lord about this, and it became more and more apparent the reason for that, I believe now, first of all, I did get 
pretty sick with COVID stuff a little later, so I know that was part of it. But at that time, the college made the decree that LBGQT, ABCDEFG is welcome and to be tolerated in that school. And Chi Alpha could not talk into that. And that is why the Lord was directing me out. Did I still pray for those kids? Absolutely, I love them. I, I still talk to them online. They're good kids, you know, the good young adults. But I had to line up with the kingdom of God in that case. Because I believe that is part of the kingdom of God. So that is what, what took it. And then the other part of that, we mourn to you and you did not lament. So <laughs> dead religion tries to get you to come along and be a part of dead religion. And, and you did not per, uh, lament, you did not, or you could say, say today, you did not partake of religion's entertainment. Because I believe entertainment is something that's taking over the church today as well. The Spirit of the Lord is a four-song entertaining thing to many churches today. And because they, they don't want to drive people away. Well, I believe the Spirit of the Lord doesn't just drive people away. It pulls them to the real thing. Therefore, he, now realize this is in red. Jesus is saying these things. For John came neither eating nor drinking. Saying Anyway, anyway uh, all the way through, you can read 19 if you want. So the word violence was a word that I believe we need to be aware of. That we need to be more than love and compassion. There needs to be the spirit of the Lord, the, the violence uh, toward the devil. Uh, maybe you need to literally stomp on some things to get rid of them. Maybe you need to separate yourself. A separation's a big part of the kingdom of God. Now, Maybe talk about that in just a little bit. But there's a, a word that doesn't have quite the impact of violence, but means the same thing, and that's in Luke 16. You tell me what the word is. Now, he's talking to the Pharisees. You are those who justify yourself before men, but God knows your heart. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Now, that'll preach itself. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. There's the same word as violence, but kind of a toned down. I can see myself pressing into something, you know, pressing. So this is a, and he ties it here. Kingdom of God has been preached and pressed. Those are two of the ways that we need to be aware. How many of us are preaching the kingdom of God? I'm not talking about preaching right here, but in your one-on-one, -on -one, are you talking to people? Are you telling people? That's preaching. 
Are you telling people about what Jesus has done for you? Uh, there's a song or something like that. <laughs> got to tell somebody. Got to tell somebody what Jesus has done for me. Listen, if you are, you are part of the kingdom of God. You are glorifying the king. Because that's what he just said here. Tell people. The other thing is you have to press. You have to push against the forces of darkness. You have to push yourself to realize this is not me. This is the enemy. And begin, uh, for example, if you're lonely and you're sad all the time, if you're lonely, go find a believer and be around them. You're pressing to get rid of that tick that's demons. Pressing to get rid of them. Or, or you're... Um, Lonely or, what did I say the other one was? Depressed. If you're depressed, the Lord says, take up the cymbal and the harp. Begin to take a song of praise and a song of worship. Begin to lift it to the God. Begin to dance around a little bit in your, in your place of habitation. Stomp on the feet. Say, devil, you get a black eye here. Be violent. Begin to press against him. You have got to do these things. And this is where I had gone into passivity for about 10 years. But it wasn't until I said yes to a calling of God in my life, I began to really become violent and pressing. Now, I'm still not as violent as Kathy. <laughs> if you walk by my sidewalk in front of my house, you may very well hear, Yalalabasatalabaha. That ain't me. See, so not denying it either. But you know what? We've seen victory after victory after victory. Stir it up in you guys. These are basic principles that the king has given us. Who are we serving? The king of kings. His ways. It brings a reward. It brings a reward. <laughs> Oh, I like that. So in addition to the pursuit of love and acts of kindness, let me, let me tell you four other things that I believe we need to be in hot pursuit of. Say hot. All right. Now lukewarm, not cold or okay, I'll do it occasionally. Yeah. Number one, you should have... An impassioned pursuit of prayer. Prayer is a form of worship. Prayer and worship go together. There's all kinds of prayer. You don't have to be bored with prayer. When you run out of words, go into your tongues. Go into your prayer language. God, I want you to help my son Jordan. Lord, we love him. We ask you to. And then suddenly, I, what else can I say? So that's... And I'm not being anti-biblical. Read Romans 1, 20 through 28. It talks about the groaning so deep. Number two, there must be a confrontation with the demonic. That doesn't mean, see, you, you have the spirit of Christ in you. So you don't need to be afraid to address 
the demons of this life, these little imps that are in your yard. No, this, that's an exaggeration. But you know they're there. They're the lies in your mind, the thoughts, the ways. Someone says you're not, you're not a man of God or whatever it would be. You, you failed. You know, and failure is something that is prevalent, particularly on the Internet these days. There's so many ways you can fail. Probably the best thing we do is get rid of the phone. Oh, now I'm, I'm meddling now, aren't I? Meddling, and I'm, I'm not going to get rid of my phone either. So <laughs> if I did, Kathy would say, you never have your phone on. <laughs> Number three, there needs to be an expectation within the king's people of the miraculous. We have to know. God is going to move. We have to have an expectation. Say expectation. I don't know if you've thought about that recently. Do I really expect God to answer my prayer? Do I really expect to see a miraculous? Now, since we are king's children, what did Jesus do? Whatever Jesus did, we can do. Christ in me, the hope of glory kingdom of God is inside of me. He laid hands on the sick, and they were healed. He cast out demons, and the demons left. I think that's what the real church is like, the real bride of Christ. Will, will your friends that you've been around your, with your passivity reject you? Maybe. So what if they do? Maybe your friends are your problems. Maybe there is this separation that needs to take place. The fourth thing and last thing is you have to have a burning heart for evangelism. You got to want to tell somebody. You got to be looking for the person that's in your path today. There's a little voice inside of you that says you need to talk to that person. They're a little depressed today. I see it on them. I can give them a little word of encouragement. I don't have to do anything terrible, fancy, or anything. I can just love on them. Would you like prayer? If they say, yes, I'd like prayer, then go for it. This all requires a willingness to surrender our lives. And self-interest, self-interest, so that the kingdom can advance. There is always a choice to be made. We were talking about it in breakfast table. This is part of the pressing in. God brings us to a point of choice, and then we can say yes to God, or we can go about just the way it's been, stay depressed, stay lonely, stay whatever it is that's on top of you. But, Choices and separation are very painful sometimes because we there are friends. <laughs> Many times we have friends, you know, not friends' friends, but things we like. Self-pity, for example. Can't ever get rid of my self-pity. It's your friend, right? It's hard to cast out a friend. What are some things we... I'm, I'm kind of toward the end. I don't know how long I've been talking, but kind of. 
what are some of the things that are going to be separated from? People don't like separation. Uh, for, but I want to tell you, the principle that Christ went through where he died, he was buried, and then he resurrected is the same principle you're going to have with any self-interest that you bury and dies because you're going to then be closer to Jesus Christ Almighty. You're going to be happier than you've ever been before. Separation is the key. And thinking about that, we have to be separated from our friends. You know, when we first got born again, we, uh, so I was very, we were very social people. And we're not now, did you notice? And uh, um, didn't like it that our best friends quit talking to us. But then God showed me in the Bible something that brought encouragement to me in First uh, Peter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the sinner, Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness and lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. But that wasn't basketball, just wanted you to know. In regard to these, or the Cubs, <laughs> in regard to these, they, Cardinals it might be, guys. Sorry. Just kidding. In regard to these, they, your past friends, think it strange that you do not run with them in the same way of sin, and they begin speaking evil of you. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't understand our separation from them because we did not do what we were doing. Other, other signs of separation were um, Israel was separated from the nations around them. So we are to be separated from the nation of the enemy, the devil's nation around us. Our soul is separated from our spirit, religion from spiritual. The two thieves on the cross, one made the choice. The other one didn't make the choice. Separation is part of this. David, when he bought the threshing floor to build an altar of burnt offerings, he said, I won't offer a sacrifice that does not cost something. And Mary, she brought that expensive oil in the alabaster box. That cost her something. There was a separation of the desire for money to giving it all to Christ. The narrow and the wide road. So I kept thinking about what is the reward when you walk down the kingdom? And you, your mind's probably thinking, what is the reward for giving it all up, for being violent, for possessing the land, and for all of these separations? I could tell you it's that you have peace, joy, all those things, and you will. But I'm going to tell you there is one reward, and that is the king. 
The king is your reward. You will know Jesus better than you have ever known him before. And with the king, I've watched a lot of medieval shows where they have kings. I like those shows. They're violent. No, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, forgive me on that. <laughs> but the characteristics of the king we take on. There are 24 names of Jesus. Jehovah this, Jehovah Rapha. That means he is your healer. Not going to name all 24, so don't get scared. Jehovah Jireh. He's our provision. When you inherit the king, you get healing, you get provision. Jehovah Shalom. The king gives you his peace. Jehovah Sikhanu, he's our righteousness. Those are just the ones I'm going to name because I didn't take the time to look the rest of them up. So, this is the king. If we get nothing else, if we have to suffer our whole lifetime, doesn't matter as long as we have the king. For we do have the kingdom of God that we're possessing between the first and second coming. But there is a second coming. There is a second coming. We're all peace. The lion and the lamb will roam together during the millennial period of time. There is a second coming. And I want to go up with him. I want to be part what greater benefit is there? I'll suffer all the time. I'll suffer, although I'll fight the enemy because I'm going to possess what's mine through the king. But if I have to suffer, Lord knows I'm going to heaven. I'm going to rule and reign with him in this second coming. And that is all that counts. Now, if you all want to be a part of that kind of king, kingdom, if you want to be one who really loves the king beyond just love and beyond just compassion, boy, we better do that. Then let's stand, and just by an act of standing, let's believe that the king is who I'm going to serve.